you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Today is April 27th, 2023. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, and let's dive into it. I know a lot of us uh, in the community are fresh back from uh, KubeCon Amsterdam, and Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just recovering from my jet lag. Uh, for the most part, it's been a while since I've I've done the six hour difference. Uh, you know, last time I did that was I think Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> nice. actually, and that was like ten years ago. So it's been a while since I did the six hour difference. And I know you, Bobin, were visiting family. So how the hell was that? I know, uh, like you talking about six hour difference, right? Think I know. About nine I know. And a half. I shouldn't be complaining. <laughs> <laughs> no, like usually I don't get jet lag. So okay, uh, actually, let me start from the beginning. Uh, I went to India to visit my family like three years uh, like uh, late oh, after man. meeting them. I think I was there in like February of 2020. That's when I got married. Came back and then the <laughs> pandemic hit. <laughs> so oh. I hadn't seen them for a while. Uh, so it was great to like meet everybody in person, just hang out. Like I didn't choose to work from home. I was completely on PTO. Good, good, uh, good. Had some great food. The only complaint was like, it was so hot, dude. Like, I don't know what the weather in Amsterdam was. I've heard mixed reviews that it was raining one day and it was hot. (laughs) But it was so hot in Mumbai. Like it was hot and humid. So like the daily highs were like 98 or 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So I was was staying put inside my house in front of the AC or below a ceiling fan for like 11 a.m to 5 p.m i was not moving so yeah and that's like a sticky heat too in my yeah, yeah yeah i've not never fun. been but like you know if it feels anything like florida or, or yeah. anywhere in the northeast <laughs> when it's super humid it's miserable yep the, the the positive aspect right like this is considered to be the mango season like i don't know if you uh, have heard okay. like indian yeah. mangoes are like really good uh okay so yeah i i had a lot of mangoes in this trip and this is like the first time since i came in the u.s yes <laughs> Yeah, there are some fruits that you get in India only. Like, for example, again, I don't know if this is the actual name, but Chiku. It's a small brown okay. fruit that looks kind of like a kiwi, but you only get it in India. It's like super sweet. And it's really fun. C H I K O O, I think. Oh, Chiku. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does look like a like yeah, kiwi. But like, it tastes so good. And you don't get it here, even in the Indian stores that you have in the US. So huh, that was fun. Like eating mangoes and Chikus. That was Another name for Chiku is Sapota. Okay, I don't know in what language, but good to it, know. <laughs> it's a category of fruit that's like a mango. So there you go. Okay, makes that's, sense. Uh, this is what the internet is telling me. <laughs> Just internet, not chat GBT. Come on, not chat GBT. I don't know. How, I don't know how much it knows about chikus. We can always ask it later. Yeah, but yeah, that was my India trip. I had a lot of fun, but I'm 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 happy to be back uh, and excited for what's next. Yeah, it, it's it's been quite a whirlwind. I know we did uh, one show uh, with Michael, um, yeah. uh, and and it was a great show about uh, we focused a lot on community mm-hmm. and and what they're doing and what 
you know, our local meetup, Kubernetes yeah. Boston, is all about. So that was a, a, a lot of fun. We missed you, though. Anyway, yeah, it, yeah, it was a great episode. Like, I did listen to it uh, oh, did? Like, yeah. as soon as it came out. Uh, love the study groups that Michael runs for people to get their CKAs. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that you covered funding round for Honeycomb. I was like, yes, I, I did. I did. I said I had to do you yeah. justice and uh, and bring it bring it to the table there. I probably didn't do his job as you no, did. No. It was fun. As soon as I heard it, I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> you got to bring it to the table. That is. Um, okay. So, you know, obviously no guest uh, this week. Uh, we're yeah. back in the swing of things. Uh the week after KubeCon, we always do a KubeCon review um, mm-hmm. and or recap, uh, which includes generally, you know, if we're at the show, we'll tell you what it's like to be there, uh, which I'll give a little bit of my perspective. I've never been to Amsterdam before, so um, give you a little bit of background there. Talk about a little bit of sort of the people that I felt like were there, mm-hmm. uh, some of the trends. And then there's a whole bunch of news. And Bob and I will kind of yeah. go back and forth with a lot of the um you know, highlights. We may not get to every single link mm-hmm. that we have in in, in, in our notes. Lot. Yeah, but we will make them mm-hmm. available like we did last time yep. in a document. Um, they don't fit in the show notes. Uh, they don't let us put that many in there, so we'll probably uh-huh. do a Google Doc. But anyway, we'll put that in the show notes yep. and um, we'll do it that way. So let's start with Amsterdam. So the, the, the biggest thing I want to kind of talk about mm-hmm. with the show itself was the energy level that was KubeCon yep. EU this time around. Um, a lot of people, you know, if you have been to other KubeCons before, mm-hmm. um, you know, the last one in Detroit and, and previously in LA, it was not at the energy level. I mean, LA was abysmal, right? Yep. So <laughs> I wasn't there, but I know a lot of, a lot of people were, yeah. including yourself. It was, it, was, it was tough. And then Detroit, we felt like we were getting there again, right? We still had a lot of pandemic stuff to worry about. Yep. Um, and before that, um, before everything was San Diego, which was a, um, a great show. And, um, I f- we feel like the energy is back to that San Diego level, nice. um, uh, capacity. And it was, it was one of the biggest shows, right? Um, you know, 10,000 people completely sold out of tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was really exciting to see. I'm, I'm pumped to see what Chicago is like, as well as uh, for, for folks who don't know, in 2024 in the spring, it'll be in Paris. Right? Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. I've mm-hmm. also never been there. Um, so I'd like to see what it's like, you know, growing wise. And I know there's a, you know, there's a different energy for EU versus yep. uh, North American. So anyway, the energy was back, which was a ton of fun. Um, and to answer your question about how it, will it be in Chicago? Cold. Like it's Chicago cold. in November. Yeah, Chicago in November. I, I, you know, we, we, we talk a lot to like internally about sort of who made that decision, but yeah. um, it's no one from the, from the uh, Chicago area in, in November. I'll tell you that much. Yep. I mean, maybe it is, maybe they're just spreading some love for their November uh, city. Uh, know. You know, it could be hit or miss, right? We, we mm-hmm. had this happen in Detroit when normally it's supposed to be a lot colder and we got great. Yeah. So you never know. Let's be optimistic. Chicago is a very cool city, so that will be it. Cool. Is okay. Um, yeah, so Amsterdam as a city, uh, I think it was a, it was a great place for KubeCon. Mm-hmm. If you've never been, 
it's a very, I say very short city and <laughs> not a lot of like huge skyscrapers, very kind of walkable. Every, mm-hmm. uh, every street in the city is like a bunch of rings. So it's, you know, you can pretty much get everywhere okay. on foot. That being said, uh, there was a lot of guidelines around how to get around the city. And if you don't know, right, if you just Google Amsterdam, you'll get pictures of of bicycles because yeah. bicycles are are absolutely the way to get around and there's a whole etiquette to learn which you can only learn so much in a week but basically the the rule of thumb that i learned is that bikes stop for nothing it's like taxis in new york city <laughs> they will plow you down um and to the point where you know i, I saw a bike uh as i was walking uh with my wife she came along with me yeah. i was walking and a bike hit a person like waiting for fries or something fries are very yeah. you know uh popular in Amsterdam and uh the he hit the wrong guy uh, and the guy chased him down pulled him off his bike and started wailing on him in the middle of the street and I was like oh my I'm not riding a bike never mind um awesome. you know, yeah we did ride the bike after that I will say you know, the the locals you know all stepped in to like end it but basically yeah, the bikes will not stop for anything and you know if you're on the bike be careful not to hit the wrong guy it was a very once in a in a i'm sure a lot of occurrence but um mm-hmm. i happened to be there and it scared the pants off so um <laughs> like, like yeah. as, as you were describing amsterdam and the bikes and now people should have should know what they're doing uh, I, I don't know if you watched ted lasso ryan but the latest episode of ted lasso they did an away game in amsterdam <laughs> okay yeah, no, I, haven't. I haven't yeah the yeah. owner was walking on one of the bike lanes only street oh yeah and she got basically basically toppled over in uh, from one of those bridges into the canal and accurate like, yeah accurate right there that is an accurate thing you're in the wrong spot walking you will know about it yeah uh, and you will be the yeah what it, it's not like everywhere else where like the walking uh gets mm-hmm. um sort of you know priority dedicated no, 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 bikes yeah. get priority like okay. even so cars will stop for you bikes won't um but cars also stop for bikes not the other way around Okay. Uh, and, and occasionally you'll get, you know, because there's also really tiny cars there. Yeah. It's not like here in the U.S. where everything's mm-hmm. huge. No F one fifty. Tiny cars, and yeah. some of them ride in the bike lanes, and so you definitely don't want to get hit by one of them. <laughs> anyway, it's a whole thing, but I, I was, uh, it was actually a fun part of the, yeah. you know, uh, experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. So, I, I'm also a, a very a big dog fan, and dogs mm-hmm. are everywhere in the city. I don't know what it is, and they're allowed in everywhere. Right. So like if you're not a dog person, you know, Amsterdam might, be, might be tough. <laughs> uh, I'll just put it out there because dogs everywhere. They're allowed it everywhere, like restaurants, everything. Um, so okay. it was it was kind of fun. Um, but anyway, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on uh, the actual city, but it was a lot of fun. If you were there, um, it, it, I'm sure it, you had similar experiences. If not, we'd love to hear about them. Yeah. Um, now, as far as the show goes, right before we dive into some of the announcements, I do want to say that I, I felt like there was a lot of first timers at KubeCon. Mm-hmm. And maybe this was due to the size and restrictions being completely lifted. I didn't I didn't expect this entirely just okay. because uh, travel is hard, you know, budget and those kind of things. A lot of people are having a hard time traveling through mm-hmm. their company, but there was a lot of first timers. And maybe this is in Europe. It's easier to get to and from places yeah. without a plane ticket you know, per se, uh, maybe that made it easier. Maybe it didn't, I'm not sure, but it, there was a lot of first timers there, which meant there was a lot of sort of educational questions and learning and, and things like that. N- you know, not to say that there weren't a lot of people, um, outside of that discovery phase, there were still mm-hmm. a lot of customers that were well beyond their journey. So yeah. to me, that, that, that means like, a lot of the early adopters are there who are like mm-hmm. living it and, 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 and breathing it and, and consuming it and have different problems. And then you have a whole new set of 
uh, laggers, right? The the bigger organizations, the financials, the, all those who have like huge legacy systems that are now coming in and are like learning about things like data on Kubernetes. And they're saying, well, like, oh, you know, someone told me not to run my database. And, and then you ask like, well, what yeah. database are you running? A SQL Server and Oracle database, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, of course, because yep. you know you haven't fully adopted <laughs> like microservices and DevOps, and and there's a whole thing that you're skipping here. So I, I felt like there was sort of those two spectrums of conversations, and not a ton in the middle. So, um, okay. you know, that was my observation. Obviously, personal accounts, anecdotal for me here. Um, and beyond that, I think the last thing I'll talk about before we'll dive into a few things is trends. Mm -hmm. Yep. At every show, we talk about things that are often buzzing. Uh, people talk about a lot. Um, a lot of them shouldn't be too uh, surprising. You know, cost and security uh, and multi-cloud are, yep. are still a huge portion of that. I think cost was even more so, maybe even top of the list uh, for me in terms of, you know, certain conversations and sort of seeing what's going on. Um, a lot of because of what's going on economically. Right. Yeah. There's a there's a direct correlation between uh, infrastructure and cost and, and what to do there. Uh, mm -hmm. Surprisingly, that doesn't mean people are just like repatriating. Right. Yeah. Although we do hear a lot about that. I think we even did a, a somewhat of an episode mm -hmm. on that topic. Um, but, you know, we also see a ton of people using you know, multiple clouds to kind of spread their costs around and gotcha. really care about monitoring and those kind of things. Um, the so, the 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 other unsurprising one was AI. It just was, yeah. you know, even though there was, you know, only so many specifics, it was, you know, it's, it's taking off as a as mm -hmm. a whole thing. And then the the show as a whole, which was the most surprising to me, probably because I don't have a ton of experience working in the field is is the sustainability aspect, right? It was yeah. a big part of like certain keynotes and projects and things like that um, around sort of how to use infrastructure, cloud native infrastructure That's in a job. sustainable manner, right? Things like energy consumption and monitoring and, and sort of cost of serverless and how to be better about that. It was it was kind of a fun way to look at certain problems that yeah. we don't often look at. So that I did appreciate that as well. I, I have a question on, on cost, right? And since you were yeah. there, like maybe you can give a firsthand uh, experience. Uh, were people talking about cost because like to to I have two suggestions, right? Like they were looking at Kubernetes to reduce costs with their legacy infrastructure. And they're like, okay, if I move to Kubernetes, that gives me certain capabilities that helps me reduce cost. Or the second one was, oh, I went all in Kubernetes, spent a lot of money, and now I need to scale back my infrastructure. So I'm looking for solutions that can help me optimize how I run my Kubernetes clusters. Yeah, the, the conversations I had were more of the latter. Okay. Um, like I'm using these, these types of tools and mm -hmm. uh, platforms, um, and how can I use them more efficiently? Gotcha. Um, okay. That makes and, sense. And sometimes that means like caring about physical server. Sometimes that means, you know, comparing cost of, of one provider versus the other. Yep. You know, something that uh, I think was interesting to me was sort of, you know, still the trend towards people don't want to build their own Kubernetes anymore, right? Also yeah. not surprising, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. This was... Um, something you know joe beta and, and everybody sort of acts as if we want to make kubernetes boring because we care about everything that's happening on top of it and i think we've seen that trend even in detroit uh, yeah. we saw that trend um but you know the amazons the aks's and the open shifts of the world are still you know top three when, mm -hmm. it, when it comes to working but you definitely see a little bit of you know i'm i'm already in it 
how do I make this more cost effective? Okay. How do I make uh, it better? Being, that, okay. that being said, it, it you know the other side of that it was also there, but not not as prevalent. Gotcha. And then I, I guess one of the buzzwords that I, I was surprised you didn't mention already was platform engineering. Was that a, a topic around the show on the show floor or? Uh, it's well, mostly not, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, not like uh, not like in Detroit, which okay. which was I think because. Um, you know the the folks behind the messaging of platform mm-hmm. engineering use yeah. some pretty um, risque DevOps is dead, right? Yeah. That kind of thing. So that that was a bigger buzz, I think, in Detroit. Uh, platform engineering for me went from Detroit as like purely a buzzword of like mm-hmm. what, what is going on yeah. to um, to how do we do something with okay. that term, right? And and so yeah, it was still there. Um, we, you know, there's still a lot of talk about yeah. those terms. You know, you know, people are you know, have jobs with those, with engineering titles and things like that now. So it's it's definitely here to stay. And I think that community is, um, you know, the next step for that I saw was just, you know, getting me behind it. I know we, Mm -hmm. we had spoke to uh, Luca and I, I I spoke with him at the, at the conference as well. And and that's Mm -hmm. really where the community is, is like putting meat on the bone, um, so to speak. Yeah. No, I, I I think, talking about putting meat on the bone, right. I think uh, Spotify engineering did publish a blog around, obviously they were the ones that came up with backstage and they shared some metrics around like what are the benefits of developers that use backstage a lot versus developers who don't use backstage as much the increase in developer productivity the increase in developer satisfaction so like job retention and the amount the the increase in the pace with which they are producing code so there are definitely benefits to it for the adopters that have already like that are all into platform engineering but yeah it was good to see let's see how these trends show up or mature or evolve till we hit chicago in like the next six months yeah it'll it'll definitely be exciting um i i I personally am a a fan of that community oh yeah yeah, um, for sure absolutely you know everybody is but i like the term i like what it represents and and sort of the evolution of of sort of where it represents in DevOps, so um, gotcha. yeah, I mean that was. I mean, I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Uh, I'm sure I am actually oh. um, <laughs> of being physically at the show, but I think we can uh, switch and and dive into a few uh, announcements. Why, why don't you start off with a couple? Uh, and you, you have more than than I do. Listen, anyway, <laughs> yeah, so. sure. I had to <laughs> I had to catch up. Right, like I wasn't there in person. I was like, shit. I need more responsibility. I need to come up with more articles. <laughs> we would like to thank our very first sponsors for the Kubernetes Bytes podcast podcast user interviews you might be thinking who or what is user interviews user interviews connects researchers with high quality participants to provide real feedback on real products participants can earn some extra bucks for their feedback which allows them to have an impact on how the products are actually being built user interviews is free to sign up and most studies are less than an hour and pay over 60 dollars some studies pay several hundred dollars for a one-on-one interview. And as we all know, who doesn't want some extra beer money for the weekend? You can share your opinions with relevant companies uh, who are building products like Adobe, Spotify, Amazon, and many more. Are you ready to earn some extra income for sharing your expert opinion? Head over to userinterviews.com hello to sign up and participate today. That's userinterviews.com hello. And tell them the Kubernetes Bytes podcast sent you by using the promo code Kubernetes Bytes. Uh, I think just a few easy ones to start with. I'll, I'll do a couple and then hand it back to you for for like to go one on one through our lists. Uh, uh, but 
Kubernetes 1.27 is out. Like this is not, I know this is not a cube, uh, KubeCon thing, but I really like the name Chill Vibes. Like that's what the release is called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure it gave people Chill Vibes, hopefully, uh, when they try to upgrade it. But no, they, it has a lot of new enhancements. A few features or or uh, things that you should keep in mind is uh, new images, like the 1.27 images are, won't be posted on the old registry. So I, like I know we have covered it many times on the pod, how it's not kubernetes.gcr.io. Now it's a new container registry for images. 1.27 images are not even pushed to kubernetes.gcr.io. Uh, another interesting thing that applies to us or our audience at least the read write one spot uh, which is just one of the uh, the access ways uh, is now has now moved into beta so like was alpha for a while now it's beta so it can be used by people that want to try it out without having to enable the feature flag in when they install kubernetes uh, and then uh, one last quick major update in 1.27 was uh, if you are looking to upgrade or uh, update the n- amount of resources a specific container in a pod has, uh, now you can do that without having to actually restart the entire pod. So like if a pod has three containers, you just want to edit the resources for one of those, it, it can do it on its own rather than having to take down the other two containers that coexist uh, in the same pod. So those are <coughs> like 1.27 updates. And then- Yeah, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, if you are- from our general audience of, of volumes and storage, there are yeah. a bunch of of, of relevant uh, things such as like the removal of certain APIs, like yeah. expand CSI volumes, CSI inline volumes, group snapshots now I think in beta. Um, anyway, go to the link that we have yeah. here and kind of search for what, what's going on and just search for the term volume because um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's actually a ton in here uh, if you're working with data. So I just wanted oh, yeah. to add I think, that little mark there. No, no, agreed. Like, I think it, this release had like 60 enhancements. So obviously we won't cover all. So yeah, go yeah. to the link, We've find here all the day. thing that applies to you. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then I just wanted to talk uh, or highlight the the Cube interview that Audi did uh, around how uh, how they are implementing Kubernetes and how they're using it. The like the reason I want to highlight it is the the guests used an interesting term where they Audi actually embraces the silos. Like they they don't want people to spend time eliminating or breaking down silos and spend eighty percent of the time doing that. They want to actually automate everything that's done inside a specific silos and then make the organization faster as as a whole unit and then they can worry about breaking down the silos but the, the message was completely opposite to like what you would usually hear this the message from audio was embrace the silos and don't spend your most of your time just break worrying about breaking them down keep those walls up maybe yeah. it's like, well, we couldn't break them down so just keep them up i know <laughs> over to you ryan <laughs> sure so um uh the the one that i found um pretty interesting uh, in the in the world of of Kubernetes and data mm-hmm. and storage, uh, was the uh, announcement from uh, Veritas mm-hmm. who uh, announced a SAN for Kubernetes at KubeCon, right? Um, so this is uh, Veritas InfoScale, I believe it's called. Um, really, a block storage uh, that is um, sort of um, aimed at Kubernetes deployed cloud native. Mm-hmm. Um, they compare it to a lot of the players in this space, like. You know, Portworks and and Longhorns and the, and the ones that are native okay. or C, in the CNS space. So it just kind of caught me as a you know, wow, this is a, you know a, a company like this is really embracing that CNS capability, and um, I think it just kind of shows that um, there is a need to kind of move uh, mm-hmm. and, and adopt this this space, and that you know, there's there's still a, a huge push for. 
um, that CNS capability, um, even even with like you know larger companies with you know full blown sand solutions and things like that. So uh, we'll put the article in there. Uh, I haven't really tried it or or looked too much into it, but um, definitely. Um, yeah. Seems like a good good article. Like at least I, when I clicked on the notes right now as you were uh, talking, and okay, interesting that Veritas puts effort behind building a software sand. So definitely worth yeah, a look. Yeah, six, sixteen nodes is the max you can yeah. do. It says in the in the article. So it's 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 definitely early days, right? Uh, with anything, but you know, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, next, I think uh, I would like to talk about. Uh, uh, something around security. So intent-based access control. I know we have been, we always talk about role-based access control, but there is a new startup called Authorize. And they're trying to use a pun, like it's Authorize, but they have an otter for um, the mascot. So it's Authorize. I'm hoping I'm doing justice oh, to, and people okay. get, uh, on the audio can actually get it. But yeah, it's they are uh, talking about how they use or, or implement intent-based access control where you can have these intent definitions in yaml files where you can specify what part of the app should talk to a different part of the app and you define that and then regardless of the actual uh, network policy management layer that you have underneath it uh, or the like one of the examples i've also used is if you deploy kafka you want specific part of your app to talk to that kafka broker uh, you can just specify that in an intent file and then they do all the plumbing under, underneath the cover so it makes the whole process of giving the following the principle of least privileges easier so that was another startup. I think uh, I I don't know how we missed it, but they raised eleven point five million in seed funding, and oh, uh, nice. so okay. they are definitely working on this open source project, which I think they plan to submit to CNCF as a sandbox project. But then they also have like a cloud platform that I think they'll build out using using the money that they have raised. And then very very cool. Talking about intent based access control, right? We we can't forget our old friend role based access control. <laughs> and the reason I bring <laughs> it up is because there was a a, a, a new vulnerability called RBAC yeah. Buster. RBAC uh, Buster. I love the name. I know I, I comment know. on the name of things a lot, but that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I know. They 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 actually I don't know. They they did think about it instead of just going with the first thing that came to their mind. <laughs> uh, but it, it is about how hackers can use a method where they get into your cluster through Typo squatting and just using uh, asking you to pull down different images which look similar from a public Docker registry. So Kubernetes dot uh, io slash cube controller becomes uh, Kubernetes which is misspelled and cube dash controller. So like it's it looks close enough that people might actually pull it down and then have it on their clusters. And once they are in the door, they can go ahead and create these uh, cluster roles and cluster role bindings so that even if you fix the vulnerability or fix the front door. Uh, they they are still in your cluster and then they hijack your resources for some Monero crypto mining, which is difficult to catch. So I back, R back, whatever you use, make sure you're secure. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I took from reading about that mm -hmm. R back buster was um, the initial access Mm -hmm. um was through a misconfigured api APS server i know um which yeah. is just like uh i know we've done a lot on security on this podcast uh, mm -hmm. especially recently and misconfiguration I right know. is Not it fun. was one of the tops and actually um vmware put out like the state of kubernetes and it's the top security <laughs> thing that comes out here and and the, the what what this boils down to is like you know we have to adopt automation and yeah. um you know take out the middleman of like human fingers um where you know it's not always going to solve the problem but like we should we should be 
be using this as a yeah. big old flag to say, you know, if misconfigured things are the biggest vulnerability for attacks like these or just other yeah. uh, things going on, um, it is uh, imperative we, we get some control over that. So, yeah, um, interesting that, you know, once they got in there, they set up uh, basically near admin privileges with mm -hmm. a cluster role and it didn't look much different other than the fact that I, I think I read something about it. It spins up a whole bunch of demon sets yeah. to use the, the resources. I feel like that you'd probably notice a little easier, but yeah, I forgot how many clusters they um, kind of showcased were affected, but it wasn't a small number. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave your doors and windows open. Like anybody can get it. Like fix that, <laughs> fix that problem first, then make sure like yeah, yeah, all your just, furniture just, is aligned properly and it's secure. Yeah. <laughs> nice um I, I i think do you have something next or should i continue yeah go yeah go again okay so i have a couple of uh smaller startups i know like kubecon is always uh interesting for me because big vendors obviously make their announcements but sometimes the the really cool features come from like smaller companies so one of them uh, called ngrok uh they are a reverse proxy startup uh again I think they. Uh, this is another funding round that we missed, dude. Like, I need to step up my game. But uh, they raised their series. I think it eight. deserves its own show. Still, yeah. I think I, I might need, to, need its own show. Yeah, uh, they raised Series A worth like fifty million dollars uh, five months back. But they 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 are a reverse proxy startup that helps uh, uh, users connect their Kubernetes clusters together and like apps uh, to their Kubernetes cluster. They just introduced uh, an ingress controller for Kubernetes, which basically makes it easier for people to in install the reverse proxy on their Kubernetes cluster. So like not great, like not something like out of the, like that blows my mind, but it's something that reverse proxies are, are becoming an important thing, right? Like instead of having to, uh, install or worry about certificates, having a reverse proxy, making that secure tunnel, I know Teleport does a lot of these things in, in the security ecosystem as well. So another startup to look out for, I think they're San Francisco based as well. So a local to the US. And then go, like staying on the West Coast, going up North uh, in Seattle, like Diagrid, right? Like one of those vendors that mm -hmm. made a lot of noise, maybe a couple of KubeCons back, like that. Uh, and they had the whole dapper day. Uh, they added new features to their Diagrid controller, which is a fully managed service that you can use to run Dapper in production. So they added features like App Visualizer. They have a really neat UI where you can actually see how your app is built and running. Uh, they have an advisor. They they enable certificate rota rotation and management. And then, as you said, right, the theme for KubeCon was again around the cost optimization piece. So even Diagrid added a, a cost optimization tab in their UI where for connected clusters, it, will, it can show you yeah. enhancements. Yeah, big big news there. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, uh, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, on to you. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I did want to talk about, which I thought was very cool. Mm -hmm. Again, the <clears throat> focus on education, right? Yep. In 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 this KubeCon was was definitely obvious, uh, and I love to see that because you know as we advance and and kind of keep talking about new feature this, new feature that, and, and every, with every release, it gets more complicated. It's Education becomes key. And our our friends over at uh, Castin Veeam have something called the uh, Cube Campus. And yep. uh, they did actually a lot of great um, sort of training and sessions and that kind of thing. But I, I did want to call out, they, they did announce like the capability to start partnering with um with cube campus so it's not just like a cast and Vive thing anymore yeah. um it started out that way but it's kind of grown and morphed into a bigger thing i know i had conversations uh with with them about you know potentially putting stuff on on that site and i mm -hmm. just love to see sort of that organic need and sort of want to 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 
build and you know more educational material from the community so um really cool stuff if you yeah. haven't checked out cube campus um they have a whole ton of really great training and labs and those kind of things uh, i think it's worth worth calling out and definitely checking out if you're in that phase of kind of digging in and, and you're the hands-on type of a yeah. uh, person that learns and i think if i remember correctly like even at kubecon detroit in the five minute a sponsored keynote that each platinum sponsor or diamond sponsor whatever the top level is gets they did highlight cube campus like they want yeah. everybody in the community to get familiar with the kubernetes concept so that everybody can choose their own path but getting people started with the right set of skills and tool sets is important so yeah cube camp cube yeah, campus.io okay. for people that are looking to learn about kubernetes yeah go check it out um for me i think a couple of uh, additional news isovalent uh, i know the, the the company that built cilium which is now the default cni mm-hmm. for all almost all the managed services uh, kubernetes services they around, announced something called cilium mesh so cilium mesh basically connects your kubernetes workloads with traditional workloads or physical servers that are running either on prem or in the cloud so you can have a virtual machine you can have a physical server you can be running that on prem or in the cloud but you can use this cilium mesh mesh and uh for for your kubernetes clusters you don't need to install anything new but for these traditional parts of your application stack you can install something called as a transit gateway that allows you to connect your traditional apps that still haven't been modernized to the modern apps that you are running on your kubernetes cluster so that's that was a cool feature that i wanted to highlight maybe people can try it out in their environments or in their cloud I feel environments like- I feel like mesh is becoming one of those terms that you just tack on to the end yeah. of your product name and <laughs> and, uh, and now you have something new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not taking away from what Cilium Mesh is. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, no, agree. I like, love that mesh term. <laughs> uh, I almost ignored this announcement because I was like, yeah, well, maybe it's just another service mesh. Like, I eh, don't yeah. need to focus on it. But then I caught the point where like they're actually, they have a transit gateway that works with other components. I'm like, okay, that makes it cool enough to be included in, in, in the news section. Yeah, absolutely. Something something network uh, related, right? Is you see the term mesh, and you automatically mm-hmm. will go there. Uh, cool. So another another one I had here was if those are familiar with uh, the Dragonfly in memory database mm-hmm. uh, data store. Uh, I'm personally not, but really kind of an interesting um, um, uh, project. Uh, they have a GitHub repository here, but basically the announcement from them is a brand new operator. Um, operators, and the reason I bring this one up is operators were uh, also a huge topic right um i think this goes hand in hand with the fact that we see sort of you know the adoption phase moving towards you know do things for me like build my kubernetes cluster run my kubernetes cluster we also see the same trend for um applications that Mm -hmm. are developing operators they're definitely becoming the de facto if someone's looking to run something they're probably going to look to see if that thing has an operator first at least that seems to be the way people are going to kind of migrating to so mm-hmm. um this was from uh, dragonfly again an in-memory data store for developers so if you haven't um checked that out i think some pretty interesting stuff in their uh github repository that you can poke around at and i agree right operators are the way to go like i know i think the episode that you and i did was like back in 2021 like when yeah. again operators were prevalent then but they still were like kind of new but now everything is operator based and as yeah. you said like people do look for operator as the first option to deploy things. If you're not, like start looking at operators, dude. Like you should not be deploying <laughs> individual deployments or pods. It should be operator based. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think we're definitely getting to that point, right? Two years has made a, a big difference. Yeah, that's for, for sure. sure. 
Uh, I think uh, a couple of uh, uh, different announcements. Uh, Cloud Casa, a vendor in the Kubernetes data yeah, protection ecosystem. Cool. I know there were news maybe a couple of months back that they were spun out of Catalogic and now they're looking for funding. But uh, but now they have actually added something that can be useful for uh, people that are using the open source project Valero. So like Cloud Casa has added a UI where they can import or they can connect to their Valero installation. They can start managing them through the user interface. Uh, one gotcha that I found was it is generally available. It has a free tier if your Kubernetes cluster has 15 worker nodes. If you go above that, uh, I think it's like 200 bucks a month per node or per cluster. I'm not so sure, but yeah, there is a free tier which should work for most of the people that were using Valero as that open source uh, backup tool. But yeah, uh, a vendor adds something. Yeah, they, I think they got a lot of great um, noise from this effort, right? Just kind okay. of focusing on an open source tool. I mean, they've had sort of their backup as a service product for a while, which is yeah. like underneath the covers, still based on some Valero plus some other stuff. Yep. Um, and now they're kind of saying, well, you know, if you're if you're using Valero, we know, you know, this is a is a is a favorite in the community. It's open mm-hmm. source. You know, a lot of people can use it. Um, we're just going to allow you to start like visualizing and using those things from Cloud Casa, which I think is very cool, right? Even yeah. And even to say that if you already are using the tool and you want to use this thing, you can import them, right? Yeah. And say, here are my existing backups, um, which I think is a really great sort of um, tip of the hat to yeah. sort of what the community and and maybe, you know, um, how they're viewing sort of the efforts, um, which I think is just awesome. So I know they got, uh, we were quite far away from them. I personally was in the mm-hmm. show floor, but I heard all about sort of, Okay. What they were doing nice. Valero. So definitely some cool stuff. I think kudos to them on sort of making this happen for um, you know users of Valero. Yeah, and going from a startup, I think next uh, let's talk about Cisco. I think yeah. <laughs> in KubeCon <laughs> Detroit, like Cisco had a really big booth, but all they did was give out uh, branded hoodies to people. I think that they <laughs> people confused them for like the swag collection center. But now <laughs> for this KubeCon, I think they did introduce uh, three different open source projects around the security and uh, space. So like VM Clarity, which allows uh, agentless detection and management of software bill of materials. So that's one. NASP, N-A-S-P. It's a new project to provide like service mesh type capabilities for non-cloud on uh, endpoints. So maybe going for that edge locations. And then media streaming mesh. I don't really know what this does, but that was a third <laughs> project. So I had to say its name at least. But yeah, Cisco making some moves in the open source ecosystem. Very, very cool. Um... Uh, kind of going back to the the cost and and things like that. Um, Grafana Cloud in, um, basically announced uh, a bunch of updates to Kubernetes monitoring, and I think this is also um, again still related to cost, but also monitoring observability. Huge topic, right? Huge mm-hmm. topic. I think the more people are using clusters, the more people are putting applications. This is an obvious thing to start caring a lot more about. Um, and specifically, the some of the things they added were things like. Uh, predictions, historical mm-hmm. information, and those kind of things, which uh, I think, you know, uh, initial efforts that we saw a few years ago were just visualizing what was yeah. there, what was being sort of consumed or used. And now we're moving on to um, kind of predicting uh, some of the, some usage or predicting costs and those yeah. kind of things. You'll, you'll, I'm finding that tri- that transition of, of, of monitoring tools and, and those kind of things are starting to look a more, a lot, a lot more like that. And then everybody, you know, everybody loves Grafana. A little part of your heart, if, at the very least. <laughs> you know, we're in this ecosystem, at least. So very cool stuff. I think mm-hmm. I haven't personally used Grafana Cloud or anything like that, but I've yeah. used a lot of Grafana um, sure. deployed to Kubernetes. So very cool stuff. 
Nice. And then I think I have a last couple of topics for me. Uh, one, let's let's do the security one first, and then we'll close out with uh, a storage startup. So Aqua Security, they have a new version of Trivi that came out during the week of KubeCon, which now provides full compliance scanning for CIS ben- benchmarks. So I know uh, there are a lot of benchmarks that uh, that people or organizations like to comply with. I know we have the CIS standards. We had the NSA hardening guide. NSA hardening guide was something already uh, already something that Trivi used to do. Now I think they have added the full CIS Kubernetes ben- benchmark suite. So you can just download the CLI tool, run it against your cluster. It will give you a, a result of uh, what to fix to be compliant to this new benchmark. Or not new, but to this CIS Kubernetes benchmark. Sure, yeah. And then finally, I think the funding round that I wanted to talk about are the Kubernetes storage startup volumes. They announced a Series A funding of $20 million. So again, uh, still still pretty small. But again, I'm, as I think, Ryan, we had spoken about the next we wave. and volumes then... or volume Z. We couldn't de- decide on how yeah, it was. I'm just going to call it volumes. Um, yeah. When they came out of stealth, I think we yeah. had mentioned them. A yeah, bit. so now they officially have some money that they wanted to show people. Uh, and then <laughs> I think the one-liner for them is they provide a web-based interface which customers can use to provision NVMe block access storage for Linux-based and Kubernetes applications. And this was a copy-paste from their blog. So I didn't know what they did. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm still um, torn on the name, right? I think yeah. are they going for like a Gen Z volume Z thing going on, right? They're like mm, I didn't know, know early that. late to the I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm connecting dots that probably aren't there, but um. <laughs> yeah, you can only connect dots looking back. Uh, isn't that one of the Steve Jobs quotes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it is. Um, the the last thing I will end on, I did mention it earlier in the show, which was the uh, State of Kubernetes 2023 mm-hmm. ebook from uh, VMware and uh, I did wind up taking um, time to download it and read it. I think Mm -hmm. there's some really good information in there. I mentioned sort of the misconfigurations um, as sort of some of the top security concerns. (laughs) Uh, Concerity, it's just blend them all together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, that was leading, right? And and sort of down there is like unpatched CVEs and, and failed compliance secrets management. Etc. But they go beyond just talking about those things, right? They talk about sort of what I think from the business side, uh, people are, you know, organizations are getting out of it versus what are the most commonly used. I think it's it's well put together um, and uh, worth a read. So we'll definitely put a link to that in there as well. So yeah, you know, we have now have been talking for about 40 minutes yeah. on KubeCon things. We, we don't want to, you know, dive into every single piece of news here, mm-hmm. but we uh, will include everything that we talked about and more um, in some show notes. Yeah. And uh, before before we leave, um, we always do a chat GPT section. Yes. Um, which, you know, I, I don't know what I asked it. Because we're doing KubeCon, um, I didn't know if it had anything, you know, related to KubeCon yeah, yeah. Uh, stores or anything like that. But I said, I asked it basically, if you were to attend a, a Kubernetes conference, what would be your priorities during the conference? And it basically answered, "Hey, I'm not a person. I can't really suggest <laughs> that I have a personal preference." Disclaimer. But I, yeah, but I can suggest some priorities about somebody else who is human. I, I think is what it's trying nice. to say about attending a, a Kubernetes conference to consider. And they're fairly they're fairly genetic. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, generic. Like attending the keynotes and speeches, mm-hmm. um, attending technical sessions and workshops, connecting with the community, visiting the expo hall, participating in. Q&A and panels, which, you know, it just assumes that you can do that. 
you know, yeah. very, very easily. Uh, attending social events. I mean, these are all things that, you know, clearly are just kind of scraped off, you yeah. know, attending uh, things. But I, I, I went a step further. I said, all right, so if you were to go to a party, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, a social event, uh, what what would you focus on? And I was really hoping it would say, like, you know, pound down the Mai Tais or something like that. But um, <laughs> it, it, it didn't. Um, it said, you know, to engage in small talk, you know, uh, which I actually like these answers, right? Yeah. Uh, it says, attend those after parties, participate in the group activities, mm-hmm. um, use social media. And the last thing it says, which I really... Uh, is, is the reason why I'm talking about this because uh, it was a little bit of a warning of an answer, but it was mm-hmm. it was the fact that social events and uh, technology are meant to be fun and engaging and to be yes. open to those new experiences. And I think that one line is probably <laughs> all I really took away from its answer, but it's it's so true, right? When you mm-hmm. go to these events, it really is um, a big difference from trying to consume from your couch uh, yeah. or your office or whatever, your laptop. Uh, it makes a big difference. And connecting with the community in person, face-to-face, um, if you can, if you're if you're lucky enough to do so, um, you know, go and be able to enjoy those experiences, put yourself out there. And I think a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, you know, opportunities and, and networking at yeah. these events is so true. So, so you got it right there, chat GBT, I'd say, um, <laughs> but you know, who knows? I think Ryan, to add to your thing, right? Like for people who couldn't make it to Amsterdam because maybe they didn't have enough PDOs, they they didn't have enough budget for the travel. I wanted to highlight like, okay, there is one in Chicago, but the the podcast that you did with Michael last time, right? Like there are local communities that are still so valuable that that have champions that want to engage and that want to help you. So if if you're not able to go to a KubeCon, go find, go open meetup.com, find your local communities uh, chapter or communities meetup and uh go and talk to the people there and there might be some social events after to attend absolutely and i (laughs) i I go as far as to say that you may often get more out of one of those small intimate events than you do at a giant show i mean the giant shows are fun Mm -hmm. and and good to keep up with trends and kind of what's going on but you're you're doing at a different level versus you know a small 30 person meetup or a 10 person community at you know going after a single goal you'll have better conversations um, mm-hmm. and it's sort of the lifeblood of the larger community yeah. uh, that is Kubernetes and cloud native. So for, go get involved. For <laughs> people that don't know, I think Ryan literally took a, ding, a shot at me because I haven't been to the Boston Kubernetes meetup yet. And I looked at the <laughs> next one and shit like that. I have a conflict for that one too. So maybe in June I'll make it, but I'm sorry, Michael, but yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to meet you soon. Which was it? The next one is uh, May like next week. Yeah. Oh, 11th. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will be there, uh, barring any any nice. major uh, <laughs> changes. But yeah, I plan to be there. If you are local to Boston, given you're li- listening to a podcast mm-hmm. where you know the hosts are from Boston, tell us. We'd love to yeah. meet you um, and talk about if you have a topic for the show. That's that's a yeah. great way to kick it off. But uh, anyway, you know, I think we can wrap it up. What do you say? I think that was a pretty good, um, a good overall. Recap gist of it hopefully our listeners you have have gotten enough out of it and you know with that that brings us to the end of another episode of kubernetes bytes i'm ryan i'm bobbin and thanks for listening to another episode of kubernetes bytes thank you for listening to the kubernetes bytes podcast 